0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. And again, we're going to be talking about, you got it, the Kingdom of God. And the Kingdom of God is what? It's a government under God. Whatever God is. God is this ultimate power of life and creation. It's why everywhere you go on this planet, there's life. And yet, almost everywhere you go in the rest of the universe, there doesn't seem to be any life. Why is there so much life here? Is there life on other planets somewhere else? I don't know. I haven't been to other planets, at least not in my recollection, so I would guess there's not. But... There's life on this planet, quite a bit of life on this planet. And there seems to be something else we call consciousness. We're aware. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't as aware as they used to be. (laughs) People are less and less aware than I think they used to be. Now, I, I will admit at different times in history, people were not very aware. But what happened at one time in history, people who were not aware who were not conscious or, let's say, not under some strong delusion about the reality around them, they didn't make it. <laughs> they didn't survive. They died. The lions ate them. The coyotes ate them. The bears ate them. The mountain lions, and they ate them. Uh, or maybe just other people. Life was rough. You had to be smart, you had to be strong, you had to be diligent. And nowadays, you can be an absolute total slob and collect a check every week from the government or every month from the government. Uh You can get jobs that don't really require that you apply yourself. You just push the paper around and everybody's happy. You know, we've been dealing with people in, in government with the DEQ who... You know, we had this toxic waste dump here in the Lake County. There was 25,000 barrels, 55-gallon drum barrels, of gallons of toxic waste that they brought out and stuck here. And they talked the county uh, commissioners into letting them do that. And they talked the DEQ into giving them a permit to do it. None of it should have ever even been done. You could have disposed of that stuff. It would have cost them a little bit of money, but they were under a government contract. Okay, so they put it out here. They left it. The barrels were used barrels when they used them. They were leaking when they got here. They were rushing through and spilling out over, killing things, you know, wildlife. Rattlesnake couldn't survive where they were. It was just a bad deal. And uh, some of the chemicals in it were the most toxic chemicals known, to, uh, carcinogenic chemicals known to man, according to some estimates. Now, of course, there's guys out there trying to say, oh, they're not that dangerous. Well, to a lot of people there, are everybody I know who was, when they finally, the DEQ, instead of properly disposing of this, they couldn't. Get the company to do it because the company we cleverly had sold it to a disposal company who sold it to a disposal company. So it was far enough removed from the guys who produced it that they got away with it. There's still a financial responsibility for what's there to go back on Bear, but Bear's got more lawyers than you can shake a stick at. And so it's really hard to get them to pay for anything. The last time they were trying to bail out on their responsibility, I stopped them. At least that's what all the lawyers said. My letter stopped me. Go read that on our website still, or uh, preparing you. But so many people were, knew that there was a problem, and they were at least thinking, "There's a problem here." You know, all the uh, when the DEQ had guys come in and bulldoze these things into the ground and cover them up to make things safer. All those guys are dead from cancer. They're all dead from cancer. Actually, one of them shot himself in the head. But he only did that because the pain from the cancer was so great and they put him on so many drugs it was causing depression and he only had a short period of time to live and he just couldn't take it anymore so he shot himself. So you say, well he didn't die of cancer. Well he did die of cancer. And other people who's the closest people I know, couple I know, lived to the area, they were only there for a short period of time and wife got pregnant she had a child spina bifida which is directly associated the military says anybody getting spina bifida who had been exposed to agent orange they take care of the bill and that's what was producing this toxins out there so it's pretty clear that it's a bad deal but people don't think and they don't realize that it's a bad deal and it doesn't really bother them because they don't live there so i don't live there I'm nowhere near there. I don't go nowhere near there. (laughs) So, um, But the reality is, I know it's hurting people. And I know that, again, it's the biblical principles. And the biblical principles are the principles you need to have a free government. Believe it or not. Now, I know a lot of you guys have preconceived notions that that's not the case. Because you don't understand what's in the Bible. And they don't want you to understand what's in the Bible. Because they want to rule over you. They want to exercise authority one over the other. But, I mean, you can go, I can show you all kinds of quotes in the Bible, you know. I mean, Gideon, I and my family will not rule over you. They actually, people wanted to make them ruler and they said, we're not going to do it. We're not going to have anything to do with that. Jesus, they wanted to crown him. He fled and hid. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you crown me in an office of rulership over you where I start forcing people to do stuff. I'm teach, trying to teach you how to be free souls under God. That's the kingdom of God. So that's really what the Bible is about. And that's why we keep going back to the Bible and talking about this. Because people are under strong delusion. They think they know who Jesus is. They think they know Jesus even. what They don't even know what he said. And what he commanded. He did command stuff. He commanded that his disciples make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Most Christians don't even know that. And they don't even know why he said that, because that's the only way to practically, in a, a government of free will offerings, not forced taxes, in a government of free will offerings, if you don't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, there's no way to take care of one another in time of need. You won't even know who needs. You won't even know, you know if somebody is in trouble, because you're not organized. But you have to organize yourselves. When they said, we said, make the people sit down, they had to organize themselves. They, they didn't go around and say, you sit here, you sit here, you sit here. No. They said, you guys gotta sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, organize yourselves, or we're not going to go to the next level. And they said, okay, because they kind of saw things going on. They saw a lot of miracles, they saw a lot of things happening. You know, of course, we have some idiots who think that Jesus never even existed. They they think religion is what you think about God. And it's superstition. Well, religiere is what you translate into religion, but the Romans had another word they also translated into religion, which is superstitio. So I can understand how you think that, and then if you look at the dictionaries today, they say that religion is what you think about a supreme being, but 200 years ago, even 100 years ago, the definition said that religion was the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man, and we know our duty... To God is to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we're supposed to be organizing systems that helps take care of the needy of society in a way that strengthens the poor. That's the gospel in a nutshell as far as the kingdom of God. So what's all this other stuff Paul was saying? What's all this other stuff that Peter was saying? Well, he said, Peter said, to covetousness you'd make yourself merchandise and Paul said you weren't to covet and Paul said you would be judged according to your works, but you would have, if you listen to most preachers, Paul just said you just had to believe in Jesus. And then they go about telling you don't have to do what Jesus said, you just have to do what Paul said because Paul was after the crucifixion. Okay, you're crazy. You're not thinking. You have to be going through the Bible with a black marker, redacting so much of it. So anyway, we started a study of Corinthians. And we're up to chapter 13. We did chapter 12 this morning on other broadcasts. I'm on a lot of different broadcasts. Well, not a lot, but I'm on other broadcasts. I do more in other places than I do in this place. And I'll be guests on shows to try to tell people how this works. And we're going to start doing more videos hopefully here in a few weeks. And uh I'm actually spent... A while putting together a whole plan of attack so that everybody that's in the network, that's how do you get in the network, join, go to preparingyou.com and join the email network and then get to know somebody and as close to you as possible and join an actual free assembly of 10. You don't have to do anything, you don't have to pay anything, well, you have to give something, you can give, I don't care what you give, you have to give something and say that I want to be a part of your congregation. You're not joining, though. You're not a member. You you just give it to the minister of that congregation, and then he will write you down, and he will try to keep track of you and keep you connected to all the other congregations so that if you have problems, we can help you out. Some people, they, they hear this, and they want to do this because they're mad at the government or something like that. This doesn't get you out of the government. This is just going to help you survive in case the government fails. But that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to get you to think about other people surviving, not saving you. If you only want to save you, you come to the wrong place. If you actually are learning what it means to care about others as much as you care about yourself, yeah, then we can help you out. You will be helped by joining the network. If that's really the character that you're coming in, the name that you're coming in. ...is that you want to help other people... ...as much as you want to help yourself... ...if you don't want to do that... ...if you just want to save yourself... ...hey... ...there must be other groups for you to join out there... ...because we don't need you... ...we don't need you anyway... ...we're just here to help you... (laughs) ...help yourself... ...by helping others... ...because that's what's going to... If ...if you have a free society... ...that does not think that way... It will not stay free. It will not stay viable. I mean, you would understand that if you were an ant, because it actually tells you in the Bible, consider the ant. You would know that if you watched wildlife, like, uh, the herds of, uh, the Serengeti. They know that. You have to come to the aid of others. They know how to do that. But, you know, we're more than just herd animals. We're supposed to be having dominion. So you need to have this broader view of things. So anyway, uh, like I said, we started the study in Corinthians. And we that started with 1 uh, Corinthians. But actually, we have like six shows just setting the scene. There was like three or four shows recently. But I, had, I just put up the original three shows where I talk about this. And I don't just talk about the Corinthians. But I'm setting the scene. Uh, about Corinthians. So, if we go back in Corinthians 10, because we're going to do 13, but Corinthians is set the scene because the chapters are divisions put in there by men. There is no... When he wrote the letter, he wasn't writing chapters. It's a continuous letter. It's all about the same thing, basically. But he looks at things from different points of view. And in chapter 10, he's talking about spiritual meats and the communion of blood and seek the profit of many. What is that all about? The seek the profit of many is really about when you come together, you don't come together for your personal gain. That may come about, but that can't be your driving motivation. You come together for the benefit of others. And if everybody comes together for the benefit of others, then you got something. And if you do this in a network, you have thousands, tens of thousands of people That will all want to see you wealthy. That's not why most people belong to most governments. They belong to them because they want to see themselves wealthy or protected or whatever. I mean, that's why Obamacare wasn't put in to save everybody else. Everybody's popular with them because they want, they want their coverage. They want to be protected. They don't care about those other guys. Now they'll say they do, but that isn't, that is not the driving force. And you could tell that. Uh, otherwise, Bernie Sanders wouldn't be living in three, uh, separate million dollar mansions and have fancy cars and millions and millions of dollars in his bank account. I mean, like, you believe that, that Al Gore is doing this whole climate change thing because Al Gore cares about people? Al Gore was worth $750,000. That was his net worth supposedly, this is the reports that are out there publicly, in the year 2000. But then they started warning us about global warming, which we should have, you know, all poles should have melted years ago, a decade ago. They should have all been melted. And now we got, you know, it's only, you know, four or five years away till they change the melting date again. (laughs) And now I know a lot of people say, oh, he's just making fun of the fact that there's global warming. You know, I... I've studied this a lot more than almost anybody that will ever listen to this. But the reality is, I've and I've been studying for a lot longer, and I have a lot more information than most of you have. But if you want to think that, go ahead. But I can tell you this, Al Gore is worth $176 million today. He went from being worth less than a million dollars to being worth over $176 million. and He has one of the most energy inefficient homes you could hope for. He's had... More than one. But the guy's in it for the profit. He's making money. He's just a good actor. (laughs) You you can tell when he's lying because he's moving his lips. He's in it for the money. Bernie's in it for the money. And a certain amount of self-righteousness in the case of Bernie. Bernie actually believes some of the stuff that he started espousing years ago. You know, he was a communist and he believed in communism. But so did Thomas Sowell. He believed in communism. When he started out, he was, he was a communist. He believed that communism was the answer. He read, he read Karl Marx. He read these guys and said, you know, this makes a lot of sense. But then, he was willing to hear the rest of the story and then he said, whoa, this doesn't make any sense. And he went through a whole process of learning that. And now, if you went and read Thomas Sowell's book, you would be smarter than most college graduates. Just if you read one of his more recent books. If you read it and took it to heart. But anyway, people aren't thinking. Why aren't people thinking? Well, this comes into spiritual meats, which is also talked about in Corinthians 10. That's where I begin to talk about What are spiritual meats? What is communion of the blood? What is seek the profit for many? Not your own wealth, but the wealth of others. You have to put other people first. What happens is there is a frequency mental change in your brain. And now you can see things that you could not see before. You are literally altered. And it's not like you're made better than you were meant to be. It's made the way you were meant to be. You were not meant to be so selfish as we are today. You're you're changing your focus and now you can see more things. Because when you're out there taking selfies, you can't see anybody else. It's a principle of life on this planet. I can show you creatures that suddenly get the idea that they're not going to be a part of the herd. They're going to go the other way. And you can certainly go the other way. But you you know what we call? Yeah, coyote bait. You're going to be eaten up. So anyway, and this is all one. We're not going to go all the way back to First Corinthians, but I'm just doing a review. And I'm putting this review into headings on each page. And I'll, I'll try to get them all. I work at this more than 40, 50 hours a week. Sometimes 60 hours a week. You know, I sleep five hours a night to try to bring this message to you. But if you don't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, this is not going to do you any good. If you just keep going off, oh, Brother Gregory tells us some interesting things, but we don't want to join this group. It ain't my group. It wasn't wasn't, uh, uh, the apostles' group when they said sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. It was part of salvation. Because the reason you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you're not doing it because you don't care about others as much as you're supposed to because that's that's the motive for sitting down in the tens, hundreds of thousands the motive is not so that you will be safer although you will probably be safer you will be better prepared for whatever is coming we had a stream of earthquakes along the Oregon coast for the last few weeks lots of little ones but that isn't that isn't the key sign. That is, that's that's significant, but it's not the key sign of what may occur. There's are signs, and they're all over the place. But I'm not going to tell you what they are, because it won't do you any good anyway. Even though I told you what was going to happen tomorrow, what's, what's going to happen a week from now, a month from now, ten months from now, unless you invite the Holy Spirit in, it's not going to do you any good. You'll still make dumb mistakes. You'll still walk through life blind. Because you've been listening to blind guides. You don't know either. So you have to start doing a very simple thing, which isn't about saving you, but it's about saving others. You have to start caring about others. They can't see this. You can write this out. You can explain it, you know, on on a pamphlet. You can explain it on a leaflet. You can explain explain it in a little card. They're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. Until they let God into their heart. So that's what we have to focus on. Is starting to take care of one another. And you can't even begin to do that until you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Then once you do that, then we can tell you lots more stuff that you can do. But it'll be your choice. And the choices of your free assemblies. And your free assemblies will come together as they choose. Because we're not empowering a government. We're the government that empowers the people because we're not only returning every man to his possession and every man to his family, we're returning every man to his responsibility and therefore to his rights. If you don't take on your responsibility, you're not going to get your rights back. That's just it. Write it down. It isn't going to change. So in Corinthians 11, we talk about Be followers of Christ. He says be followers of me as I am a follower of Christ. And really if you look at the Greek he's really saying be a follower of Christ like I am a follower of Christ. That's what he's trying to impart. I'm just saying it a little bit different way so you get the picture. He talks about not to eat the Lord's Supper. You don't come to church for what you can get. The food you can get. You know, of course, most churches, you're only going to get a crumb anyway. You're not going to get a meal. When we used to have church here in uh, Summer Lake at a local community church, which really wasn't a community church, but the community got to use it, we had a meal every time we came. And it was really so we could sit around and talk because a lot of the people, they still wanted the sermon, which really wasn't what church was all about. That was a minor thing in church gatherings. And really what it was all about is kind of the news, what's happening around the world because of the fact that the news was moving through that network of tens of hundreds of thousands. But he but Paul says, You don't come here if you got if you're hungry, eat at home. You know, we've got food to share, and of course I've told you about what the first century, second century church was doing, and actually the church, the true church was doing for centuries and centuries and centuries, even doing in early America. But you're not doing that now. So really, it's different. You're not, you're not the real church. You, you have no daily ministration that rightly divides the bread from house to house. If any of you guys want bread, you go to the men who exercise authority. That's why you're in bondage. That's why tyrants are rising up all around the world and have been doing it now for a hundred years. It's because you're not tending to the business of seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. So, the other topic is unworthy eateth and drinketh damnation, he says. So, those people who, you know, in Detroit got on welfare, got on all the giveaway programs and the food stamps and everything, they destroyed Detroit. And the guy who thought of this war on poverty, he knew this would happen. And he also destroyed your families. You know, that's why, you know, people talk about so many transgender people Um, amongst the black community now blacks, transgender well, this is all a result of the breakdown of the family that doesn't happen when families are not breaking down they don't have male role models good male role models in their life their families they're going to be confused and mixed up there's other contributing factors but their their minds are taken over so that the strong delusion which you're seeing these extreme cases of delusion that we see out there are evidence that delusion at one degree or another is pervasive in society. So anyway, this morning we talked about uh in Corinthians 12 and uh I actually don't have subtitles there yet. I'll have to go and do that. I just it's only so many hours in a day. But he, he talks about, for by one spirit are we baptized into one body. And so our work should be evident of that one spirit. And we will see a certain pattern in our development if we sit down in those, those, uh, uh, tens, hundreds, and thousands, those free assemblies. Now you, you can, you can go and we'll have it accessible where you can go to 1 Corinthians 12 at preparingyou.com and you can hear the audios. But I talk about a lot of things that go around this so you can see it in every direction, so you can actually see what he's talking about. When we say the word spirit, if you have a problem with that, okay, I get it. There's a lot of reasons why you might have a problem with that. But think of the word spirit as pattern. There's this pattern of fear, there's a pattern of love, there's a pattern of judgment there's a pattern of hate these are patterns of thinking you know you, if people who like to hate you poke them they're going to hate you mentioned trump they're going to hate you know or whatever it is that you know triggers them and th- that's what's happening this the whole idea of triggering is that people are poking you and the spirit that's dwelling in you comes out and you say i'm offended but what it is is that you have the spirit of offense and anyway, in 12, they talk about dumb idols and all that stuff. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll have to just go and study it because we're going to get into 13 right now. And we've already gone through half of the show just reviewing. But 13 is not a very long chapter. matter of fact, it's extremely short. Uh, it's only 13 verses long. But, of course, Paul didn't write chapters. He wrote a letter. And he's talking about the same thing. He's preaching Christ first. And we talked about it. If you go back to... Chapter 3, verse 11. That chapter's okay. It helps you find your way around in there. But they're not separate chapters when Paul wrote them. It's a continuous idea. And he's saying that Christ has to be the foundation. What was the foundation of Christ? He came to serve. I am one who comes amongst you to serve. That's what he says. So, if you're not gathering for the intention of serving others, you're going because you love the music, you're going because you like the preacher, his sermons are short, any of those things, that's the wrong reason. You come to serve others. Because if you don't come with that spirit, the pattern, the spirit of the Holy Spirit will not come into you. And you will be less likely to survive. You will draw to yourself. It's like all the survivalists. I tell people that, you know, they're getting all the survivalists together and they they got all their buddies and they're going to go to this remote cabin and they got it all stocked up with beans and, you know, whatever. And I said, you know, when the beans run out and you're in the room with a bunch of carnivorous survivalists, you're on the menu. Because they came together to save themselves. They didn't come together to save others. Not to mean that everybody's gonna be jumping on grenades and sacrificing themselves. It means that they, they wanna to survive too. But they equally wanna see you survive. And so that's where you get sharing. And if you understood the loaves and fishes, you would understand that that's a miracle. To find Thousands of people who are willing to share what they have with others so that others may live too. Now, they're not going to do it weekly, like, you know, uh, in a way that weakens you. That's the way the world does it. They take from this person and give to this person so that he becomes weaker and you become poorer. (laughs) That's their plan. So if you like that plan, I, I can tell you, I can hook you up with that group. If you want to hook up with a group that has a different plan, a different pattern... Then go to preparingyou.com and join the email network in your local area because you won't join with everybody. Then find a congregation that's close to you. Once that congregation gets to over 10 families, you know, 15 families or so, they should divide off and become two congregations. Each of those congregations have their own email group. They're connected by this network. So they're really hard to track and trace but they're really easy to help one another. So that's the plan. Not a hard plan to figure out. You just have to decide to do it. Or not do it. And unfortunately a lot of people are going to decide not to do it. And so life will happen. And deaths will happen. And bad things will happen. But it will be up to you to figure that out. And it will be up to you to survive it. All by yourself. If you want to... If you're just thinking about yourself. You know. So, anyway, if we, we're actually supposed to go to a commercial break. And here we go. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And we're looking at Corinthians. And, uh, we're in Corinthians 13. And now we're going to actually start getting into it and start reading what we're dealing with here. We've done the, we've, we looked at the prelude to this. But now if you read it, it says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass. This is the basics of what I've been saying. Charity is those free will offerings to you know to help other people, to care about other people. The same word charity is translated love. Now but when he says tongues of men and of angels The word angels there can be messengers, you know. It doesn't have to be, you know, winged creatures. That's not what the Greek word means. It can mean that, I suppose, but that's... I'm not going to enforce that on anybody. They just translated it that way. They translated it a number of different ways in the text, depending on where they want to. But Paul's just saying these messengers, whether I'm... Speaking the words of men. Or the words of angels. But if I have not charity. I've got nothing. I am become. As a sounding brass. Or a tinkling cymbal. It's just noise. You know it's like the spoon. (laughs) The spoon does not taste it. You don't really understand the power. That comes through the Holy Spirit. The power that comes through this pattern. It's it's cosmic, it's uh, quantum, that something changes where now you can see things that you could not see before. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Wait a minute. He just said, give all his belongings to the poor, to feed the poor. He says, but if I don't have charity, well, how could that be? How could you not have charity and just giving all your belongings to feed the poor? Evidently, having charity is different than just feeding the poor. I know a lot of people like to feed the poor, like to give money out their window to people, like to write a check to the Red Cross, and they think that's charity. Well, according to Paul, evidently, that's not charity. You may be doing that, but that's not the charity he's talking about. So, in verse 4, he gives us a clue or two. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Rejoiceth not. But, but rejoiceth. That's hard to say when they add the extra TH. It rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things. Believe all things. Hopeful all things. Endureth all things. Love does that. Which is charity. That, that's the same word that when Jesus says it, they translate it love. For some reason, most of the time when Paul uses it, they translate it charity. So, love suffereth long. So, is there anybody you're angry with? Anybody you're mad at? Anybody you're impatient with? That's killing you, man. Don't do it. Let it go. Leave judgment to God. <laughs> you know You know, I don't know why I said it that particular way, but man, don't do that. That's bad for you. Charity, love, never faileth. But it's real love that we're talking about. It's not fake love. It's not desire and wantonness and, you know, uh, lust and those kinds of love. It's different kind of love. It's the love that never faileth. Even though your wife is angry with you and mad at you and says she doesn't love you anymore, you still love her. Can you do that? Because if you can't do that, you ain't got there yet. When, when somebody else is hating you or trying to kill you or trying to steal your money or whatever. I mean, I see so many people, you know, governments, you know, taxation and stuff. Taxation is usually what you deserve. Because I mean, who paid for your schooling? Who took care of your parents when they were old and infirm? Was that you? Or did you have somebody else do it? Somebody who collected taxes to it. In other words, a government program paid for your education. That means men who exercise authority forced your neighbor to do it. That's different. That's not kingdom. Homeschooling, that's kingdom. But just because you homeschool doesn't mean you're getting closer to the kingdom. It, it, it's a hint. It's a track. It's like when I'm tracking a bobcat or tracking a coyote or tracking a wolf. I'm looking at those feet footprints. Well, they're not all real clear. Sometimes you look at it is that is that a coyote or is that a wolf? Because it's just ba- you barely even see it. When I first was being taught tracking by old Woody Webb, who was a professional hunter, he would say, "Oh, look, the bobcat went through here and it went." And I'm looking like, "How do you? What are you looking at?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I had to learn what to look for. How, how can you tell? I mean, it wasn't like a, like you see in the movie, some big track. It doesn't work that way. So anyway, same way with the kingdom. See, if you're giving to the poor, like they did in Baltimore, and they did in Chicago, and they did in all these other places, you hear people like Candace Owens talking about it. You're destroying those communities. You're not doing them any favor. You know, you're not helping them. You're making it worse. And so, yeah, that's not the kind of that's not charity. You you may have fed all the poor in Baltimore, but it's not love. Because I mean, go spoil your kids. See how that works out. Your kids are spoiled, see what kind of kids they turn out to be. Don't make them do their chores. Don't give them any chores. See how that turns out. I can show you families. You know, I've been at this a long time. They destroyed their kids. But they said, oh, we were doing this for the children. And we see that all the time. You know, I mean, taking guns out of school. You know, no teachers can have, it's gun-free zone, gun-free zone. How many kids have been killed in gun-free zones? How many kids are killed where guns are allowed? So who's killing who? Gun-free zones kill. Because they invite in the cowardly mass murderers. Because of gun-free zones. I mean, that one guy who shot up that nightclub, he went to one nightclub first, and he said I he didn't want that. It was too much security around. He went to where there was less security around. That's why he went there. I mean, he says that right out, that that's what he was doing. You know, and somehow or other, I don't know, he... They knew that. I can't remember it was a, something he tweeted or wrote somebody or anything, but he decided to go to a place where there was less security. And there's no place that has less security than a school that says it's a gun-free zone. So anyway, you want charity that faileth not, which is love that faileth not. You You don't just love those who love you. You have to love those who don't love you. You have to love your enemy. It's a different kind, of, a lot of people they don't get that. And I say, you don't love anybody more than the person you love the least. And they, they don't get it. And I understand they don't get it. And I understand why they don't get it. But I can't make them get it. And there's no explanation that can make them understand it. But it's tied up in this principle. That you have to love your enemy. Because the love that we're talking about is not a wantonness love. It's not a lustful love. It's not what I can get out of it love. You know, it's, it's the candle isn't shining his light only in this direction because he likes the people in that direction. He just shines and light goes everywhere in every direction. That's That's a key principle in the quantum realm that you have to understand. If you start choking off your love so it doesn't go to that person or it doesn't go to that person, you've put blinders on yourself, like a horse with blinders. He didn't see anything to the left or the right. He's got blinders on. And that's why you're under a strong delusion. It's because you don't love everybody equally. That's why you see so much hate coming out of the, the side of the left, not that you can't find it on the right either, but you find so much of this vehement screaming, yelling, uncontrolled hate coming out of that side is because they don't shine love. They have lust. They have vanity. They have pride. They have arrogance. But they don't have real love. They don't have humility. They don't have sacrifice. They're operating in a different realm, and so they're only going to see what that realm sees. And boy, I could tell you stories on that. But anyway, we'll go to verse 9, because we're running out of time, and we want to get to the end. For we know, let, let's go, well, we read that, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. That's what he says. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. That's how the strong delusion takes over, because you don't have the love. Now, he just said what I took a little while longer to say. But now when you go back and read that on your own, you realize, oh my gosh. If my love does not shine out in every direction, I'm going to lose whatever talents and knowledge and understanding I have. It's going to go away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understand as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away the childish things, for now we see through a glass darkly. That actually should be another paragraph, but they didn't make it that way, because he's actually talking about, he's shifting the topic a little bit. He put away the things of a child. Well, most religion today is childish. It's feelings, it's emotion, it's uh, superior. You know, we got the better doctrine at our church than you got at your church. We, our translation is better than your translation. It's all vanity. You know, I mean, they'll they'll give you a pretend humility, but one of the things you can—if it costs them too much, they won't do it. In other words, if they had a daily ministration that was rightly dividing the bread from house to house, you would see something different in the people. And I've been to Amish communities and I've seen it in Amish communities because they do take care of one another. There's a lot of backbiting that goes on there too, but they're working on it. So it's not about you know being in an Amish community and horses and buggies and wearing dark clothes. It's not about prayer claws and all these outside things. It has to be written on your heart and your mind. Once it is, you will start to see things I can never explain to you. But anyway, in verse 12, we'll treat it as another paragraph. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. I will know God better because God will know me better. God will Not that you're actually contributing to God's... But you're willing to confess your faults. You're willing to see yourself as you really are. This is really critical to being filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to see the truth about your own failings. That you don't really love as much as you would like to think. And there could be improvements in almost every area of your life. But you're not willing to see that so you don't get better. Most of those people out there don't, aren't willing to see it so they don't get better. But now if you're listening to me and taking this to heart and letting God write upon your heart, now you can see things that you could not see before if you're willing to see more about yourself. And he says in verse 13 in chapter 13, And now as faith, hope, charity, These three, but the greatest of these is charity, which is the word love. And there you have it. So, is that where you're going? Is that where you're heading? Or are you still mad at the world? Don't be mad at the world. Let God take care of the world. You start loving other people. You don't have to do big things. You just have to do things. I mean, it's like the alcoholics, eventually in the AA program, he has to go back and apologize to people he's hurt. Well, some of the people you've probably hurt are dead. You can't go back and apologize to them, but you can walk in the apology and appreciation of other people, even the weak. If you go back to what I talked about in, in 12, is that you need the weak people to help you become stronger. You need to care about the weak people to help you become stronger. This is an individual journey. That you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're doing it together with others because that's a part of the mechanical dynamics. Uh, it's, it's part of how it works. You, you You have a left foot, you have a right foot. You need them both to walk. And so you need both of these things in process. Abideth in faith, hope, and charity. But he says the most important is charity and again that word charity is the word love. So this is, this is critical to understand and one of the things to know yourself is you have to quiet your mind. Be still and know, he says. And one of the ways to do that is to meditate. And if you go to preparingyou.com you can look up the word meditation. We have a lot of stuff there on meditation. And there's no magical thing in it. It's just going to help you quieten your mind. And you're going to come face to face with some of those things that have snuck into you, got into you through resentment and and, uh, reactions to other people. And you'll feel them bubble up in you and see them bubble up in you see the, and you can let them go. But then you have to get up out of your chair where you're meditating or wherever you're meditating and go out in the world and forgive the people on the fly in the moment when you're dealing with things so in in a way over on the side I have uh, some commentaries uh, like uh, Ellicott's commentary for English and uh, we can look at that it says though I speak the most excellent way is love without it all moral and intellectual gifts are valueless again back to my Sherlock Holmes Moriarty analogy (laughs) Uh, our allegory is that you know both of them are really smart, but one uses it with, is cleverness for evil, and the other one uses it to prevent that evil from destroying other people. Without that love, all moral and intellectual gifts are valueless. They will be destructive to you. So anytime you're angry, anytime you're resentful, anytime you're impatient, you should look at what is what is the heating the kettle to create that steam, and that will, again during meditation that can help you because you will begin to most of what you will see because you meditate on a regular basis, which all you're doing is setting 15 minutes aside, maybe a morning 15 minutes in the evening, setting aside to ask God. That's what prayer is. You're asking God what's the answer. And you're waiting upon the Lord to answer. And meditation is that being still and waiting for the answer. So when you do that, most of the revelation, you won't even see it come. You may eventually look, well, you know, that used to make me angry. It doesn't make me angry anymore. It doesn't even bother me. Why is that? You'll see the effect of real good meditation in your relationships with other people. Because there's a lot of... A lot of forces working inside you, stored up inside you, hidden away inside you that you don't know about. I mean, you could know about it. It's there, but you don't know about it because you buried it. And you buried it for, you know, I'm not going to say for good reasons, but it's painful. You know, this is why we get angry, because people hurt us. And so we put that hurt, that pain, away somewhere in what we call our subconscious. Meditation is allowing it to come out. Hopefully, praying that God will help you deal with it. And when you see the anger, you see the fear, you see the resentment—anger, fear, same thing—you let it go. You give it to God. Whatever this God thing, this—you so you're transmuting negative patterns into positive patterns, negative spirits into positive spirits. This is why you're here on this planet to do that. You're in, you're on, a, you are on a prison planet. <laughs> Alex Jones is right. You are on a prison planet. We see the manifestation of that prison actually in legal systems and civil systems and government systems that you're in back in bondage again. But the real bondage is spiritual first. If I don't help you let go of the spiritual bondage, the chains that are binding you spiritually, mentally, emotionally deep down in your heart and your soul, it doesn't do any good for me to free you out here in the physical world. You'll just go back into bondage some other way. You have to change internally. That's why the kingdom of heaven is within you. And if we can address that kingdom of heaven, you'll know what to do with the rest of things. It will just come to you. It will be we call it inspiration. So it says... As coming from St. Paul and not from St. John from, I'm reading this commentary, whose pen we might naturally have looked for it, and he says in 2, occurring here in an atmosphere of controversy preceded and succeeded, succeeded as it is by close logical arguments. Yeah, except for the Personally, I don't think Ellicott really understood the message of Paul. But Paul is logical once you understand what he's talking about. And you, you can't see some of the logic because you don't understand the quantum or spiritual nature of the physical universe. There's a spiritual nature behind the physical universe. It is those patterns. It's why everything kind of holds together uh miraculously. Because these patterns are actually the strength of our existence. And if we change the pattern, we will change. You're not going to change governments until men change. If you try to change men through power, you're just going to become a tyrant. Men must choose to change. Now, everybody won't choose to change, but those who choose to change need to come together. And I tell you, when they start coming together, a lot of people who will... They'll change here, they'll change there, but they won't change everywhere. They need to change. And so they will, they will not fit into the pattern. But the more you fit into the pattern, the more those who refuse to fit into the pattern will go away. And we need you to sit down in local tens rather than everybody join with me. Cause I'm not I'm not your salvation. The salvation is the comforter of Christ and the spirit of Christ as it dwells in you. But you've got to let it in. I'm telling you some of the keys that let it, lets it in. That's why we call it the keys of the kingdom. Apostles, having observed in the last verses, uh, the last verse of the preceding chapter, see, he tying the preceding chapter into this chapter 12. So that's important because there is no division there. That he would show them a more excellent way. And that way is this way of love. It's not the way of vengeance. It's not the way of domination or pride. It's the way of love. But what is love? That's a big question right there. That is a way more wise, holy, and useful than that of striving to excel each other in miraculous gifts. That's what, that's vanity. As soon as you bring vanity in, you're gonna be losing those gifts. Cause love is not about pleasing yourself, it's about doing righteousness for others. Blessing others with life. Not with stuff, but with life. Occasionally that will mean you give them some stuff. But you have to do it wisely. In order to do it wisely, you have to have the spirit because you're not the source of wisdom. You cannot simply use the tree of knowledge to solve the problem. You need the tree of life, because the tree of life is not in time. It it can see beyond. It sees what that person is, more so than that person sees, more so than you see of that person. Directing them to pursue the divine grace of love to God and man as of the highest excellence and of absolute necessity. The love of God is the love that gives life. It doesn't take life. It doesn't use people. It doesn't suck life out of other people. It doesn't take away. It brings to the people not entirely what they deserve, but what they sh- is best for them. And occasionally what's best for them is that they not be rich. What is best for them is they not be self-indulgent. What is best for them that they receive buke? As many as I love, I also rebuke. That, that's the grace. That's the divine grace of love of God. That I tell you the truth so that you can do something about it. Now you can't do it on your own. You must accept it in the righteousness of God. In the righteous ways of God. And of course that's why we're going through this so you can get. Now remember, we're talking to the Corinthians who are They could be getting their free bread from Rome or free bread from their government that was created in Corinth. Or, they could be doing it themselves. And of course, that's what Christians were doing. They were doing it themselves. Today, they're not doing it themselves anymore. They're asking benefactors to exercise authority to do it for them. Not the way to go. It's the unrighteous way. It's the uh, wages of unrighteousness. All the benefits they get. They need to let go of that. But first, sit down in the tens, hundreds, thousands and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Until then, peace on your house. God bless you. Join the network.